Well, welcome back to Sheep Stuff You Should Know. Uh, this is Ryan Mahoney, broadcasting from Amy Tower One. Today I'm joined by Dr. Rosie Bush, broadcasting Hello. from <laughs> UC Davis. Yep, still Davis. Still Davis. It's good you mm-hmm. haven't moved. <laughs> yeah. That's well, good. What's going on? Um, I don't know. It's a Monday, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so, a Monday. I don't know. It's all the days run together. It's true. I've been working almost every single weekend for the last few month and a half or so. I'm sure you have as well. So I'm <laughs> preaching to the choir here. Yeah, but... <laughs> I've done a little bit of work over the last 30 days. Just a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we just uh finished up finishing up. Finished up lambing, I guess. I don't know. We're not done done, but we're done with the main part of it. So yeah, you're really heavy peak lambing peak was an amazing year. It was yeah. absolutely incredible. Yeah. About the, probably the best we've ever done ever. Wow. Well, I don't know. I don't know how to define that. I, I say best ever. Um, it's, uh, it was really good. Uh, we had a lot of use and, uh, percentages change all within the sheep, whether you did real good or real bad, you know, so comparing that with previous years, I don't know if it was the best ever, but we had the most lambs ever. So that's mm-hmm. probably the, but we also had the most use. Yeah. I was a long say, time. That so happen. it's like, is it best? I don't know. Just, yeah. Yeah. You have but, to do your, your yeah. percentages of all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Do so you look re- at that kind of stuff? Like what would you look at after lambing when you have the time to sit down and do some number crunching? Well, I got a handy dandy little uh, yard sheet that I kind of keep together with uh, numbers and ratios on it. And um, the main number that I look at or kind of what I try to measure year to year over is um, use, well, it's the, we call it the real lambing percentage. So that's lambs born per use exposed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that to take our breeding numbers when we turn out Last year, we turned out on 6,119 ewes, and as of today, we have 7,137 lambs. So that's like 115%. Born, that were born. Not just born, so that doesn't include the deads. Okay, so, that was going to be my question. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and I have I don't know if I should include that number or not. I'd like to for when I look at my total number of lambs born because mm-hmm. it would inflate it and make it make me feel better because I wow I had a lot of lambs but because we do track the deads um, mm-hmm. but I always take them as a percentage of the lambs b- born and alive so you know if you have a thousand lambs alive and 25 dead then there would be actually a thousand 25 born but I'm taking the 25 divided by a thousand not 25 divided by a thousand 25. And you're talking about stillbirths? Uh, that would even be like all deads together. So we, we track Within lambing camp. So like while they're there, which is like their first week. Yeah. Yeah. Except the bummers that are there a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, right. But yeah. So we have, um, yeah. So we'll take, so I have, um, well, the raw data sets that I collect are current use. So that's uh, current use. Uh, current use excluding dries would be the use and then subtract the dries out. Then we have total lambs. Um, that'll be total lambs, including deads. 
Then we have labor units, and that is kind of a weighted average uh, per person, kind of weighted by salary. So, you know, like you have a high salary and then a lower salary person, there's like a, I just call it a labor unit, and I kind of blend the two. So, like the higher, more money a person's getting, they equal 1.2 people or 1.3 people, just kind of weighted. Mm-hmm. Um, ewes move to the alfalfa, lambs move to the alfalfa, number of jugs or jacaros on the ranch. Um, post-birth dead lambs. So that would be lambs that survived the first 24 hours. And then uh, total dead lambs. So that'll be the ones that survived 24 hours, but then also include all of the stillborns, all the abortions, and anything that died within the first 24 hours. And so that way you can kind of look at, because a lot of those ones that die in the first 24 hours, it's a... Related to something in utero, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a different type of problem than the ones that die after that um and then days since lambing started and alfalfa fed per ton um actual labor cost and then use exposed and then from that i make a series of ratios so lambs per current u lambs excluding dries cost of labor per lamb lambs per labor unit um so lambs born per labor unit use move per current total. So like you know, how many, what percentage of the sheep have moved out of the camp lambs per current. So what percent of the lambs have moved out lambs. Uh, so like the lambing percentage on alfalfa. So if I'm only moving twins. It should be 200%. If I'm moving twins and singles, it should be like 160, 170, but that just kind of tells you where you're at. And mm-hmm. cause sometimes when you get real busy, even though you're moving only twins. So like as lambing progresses, we do a really good job when we start of pulling out all the singles and, you know, taking our time to make everything. Well, we had one day, one bunch, one day uh, at Goosehaven, there was 180 ewes lambed out in a bunch of 250 in one day. Oh and God. so <laughs> yeah, like, try to sort the singles. Good luck. You know, like, yeah. it's just, no, it's chaos. And <laughs> yeah. so, you know, that way you can track, like, if you I move into the alfalfa, these twins, but when it gets chaotic, I end up moving a lot of singles and twins and triplets kind of almost unknown. Uh, you know, it's, it's controlled, but it's, it's a little harder. What is, so what does chaos look like for you? What are you trying to achieve? Like what is, what has to get done? And like, oh yeah, I'm just curious what that day looks like. Um, I just don't answer <laughs> my phone. Um, that's when you messaged me like 25 times. Can I come out and show you this? That's yeah. No. <laughs> was that day? <laughs> no, 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 Great. not that day. Um, well, let, let me, I'm going to get through the rest of the ratio. So the death loss percent, post-birth death loss percent, total death loss percent, uh, the use per he- heavy use per jug ratio, average lambs per day drop, the real lambing percentage, which is the total of let use exposed. and then. Um, alfalfa fed per you so those are my data sets and then chaos so like on that day um everybody's kind of exhausted and it's shock and i mean it's 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 chaos it's very similar it's very similar to the stories you heard about covid when the hospitals shut down or didn't shut down when they got overwhelmed um because you just go from a point of being able to kind of run everything through your system to where your system is just basically overflowed and you can't really help anything almost anymore. You end up just going from critical thing to critical thing to critical thing, and then they all end up dying. And then all of the subclinical stuff goes clinical or goes critical, 
critical, not clinical, critical. And it's just, it's a really kind of a crazy time. But uh, my grandpa taught me this and, and it, there's a lot of truth to it. So like where there's that 180 bunch, 180 ewes that lambed out in one day, um, you just move the heavies, tie the twins, let them be sheep. And then you go in the next day and you sort them if you can, and you sort what you can. You pick up the ones that don't have a mom, you bring them into the barn, but you don't bother them. You kind of just, you, you let them weather the storm with you rather than mm -hmm. going in and trying to sort everything. Cause if you go into that situation where you have that many lambs and that many ewes all trying to figure out who's or who's, and you go ahead and try to start sorting it out for them it becomes an even bigger mess. And so really you just kind of have to enter into it, uh, do the best you can. So we pulled out those hundred heavies that haven't lambed yet. And that's pretty easy. Anybody who's lamb kind of knows that's fairly easy to go in and pull out those dries. Um, and also like when you're doing that, you're not trying to go in and pull out every single dry and get it a perfect sort. You're trying mm -hmm. to get a very good sort. So you go in slowly, you walk slowly, you move slowly, you open your gates, you put people in position, you don't use dogs and you go ahead and just walk them out and the rest all kind of stay behind. Yeah. Cause they're more willing to move, right? Cause they don't have anything that they've left. Yeah. And then thankfully those were all mature use all the yearlings. I had most of the yearlings this year. So that oh, was, good. yeah, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> so that, that, that really helps those situations there. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, you just, you know, they, they're sheep, they have an instinct, they have a nature, they have, um, you know, they, they, they do want to survive. They do have a will. And so, um, sometimes you just have to step back and let that go. And, Did you at least have good weather during that day? Uh, yeah, we had, we had, we had a really good weather all lambing. <laughs> good. I, it would have been nice to get like an inch of rain the day before it started and have some good green grass to lamb on. But <laughs> outside of that, it was pretty good. Jeez. We did, we did have like, <laughs> we did have some hot weather, I think two days or something like that, but it gets cold at night. So Biggest yeah. problem in the hills, it got, it was kind of a little more temperature swing than on the flat ground. Mm -hmm. And we had a little pneumonia after those, you know, it'd get up to like 90 and then drop down to like 50. Yeah. And those are pretty big temperature swings for those little guys. And it mm -hmm. really, what it hit them was, um, the, the, the West Southwest facing hills in the afternoon with limited shade. Those were the ones that really got hurt. Yeah. That's hard. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like for an overall judge of how you're doing, your percentages make sense, like including the deads, because that has a lot to do with your lamb, lambing management. Um, yeah. I think it is still good that you separate out the before 24 hour and then after deads, because that, like you say, they mean very different things. I would be curious how many. I mean, it sounds like you you do have that information as far as which are abortions, stillborns versus die within 24 hours. With how many what? <laughs> Ask the question one more time. I had a text message come through and I checked my watch and distracted me. I hate that. <laughs> I know I can't wear my watch. Um, I know, it buzzes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's distracting. Um, yeah. 
I asked, so it sounds like you, do you, let's make it a question. Do you <laughs> actually keep track of stillborn abortion versus died within 24 hours or are they all lumped together at this point? Um, so I, we try to, um, it's mm-hmm. very hard. Um, so I have our, we have like our little sheet mm-hmm. in the, in the barn and typically we'll have the date, a location, uh, I, I like when, when I write it down, I always write lamb or you or whatever it is, that type of animal that dies. Um, the guys, when they write it out in Spanish, they just write morta, which is <laughs> yeah. funny. It's dead and made it on the mm-hmm. paper. I knew that because it was on the paper, but it's yep. nice to have the reinforcement. <laughs> but thanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I'll usually write, uh, I'll usually write stillborn if it's stillborn, abortion if it's abortion. I guess those kind of be similar, same things. Um, or like if they're sick or there's a cause or, you know, so usually it'll be like location, number, animal type and cause. But as you get into lambing, especially when you drop really heavy numbers, it's impossible to diagnose all the causes. Oh, totally. And so then you end up with just like seven muertas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. So... Yeah. So that, that gets a little challenging and it's, and it's also really, it's super important to write all that stuff down. And we always take our deads and we put them out front, um, of the barn where everybody could see it all day. And then we'll take them at the end of the day and take them to the dump, but we never want to hide them from each other or ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it is tempting to do that, especially on the hard days with heavy drops. Cause if you have, I mean, I, we averaged to this year, we averaged, um, what was our average per day? It was like 200 plus a day. Um, 200 lambs and tw- born. 225 <laughs> lambs born per day average. But wow. that's a bell curve. So on our biggest day, we probably had 500 plus, maybe even 600. I have no idea. It was mm-hmm. so many. And um, I did my numbers at Goosehaven. And then a week and a half later, I went and there was 2,000 more lambs. It's like, where did those come from? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like... <laughs> It's just, it's amazing how many drop when they get all synced up and everything. And when you have more born, like, like that situation where you have that 180 lamb out in a 24 hour period in one bunch, you are going to have increased death loss. You cannot avoid it um, because you're going and you're treating criticals rather than preventative stuff. And And you mean increase even relative, like as a percentage of lambs born, like you're going to have more lambs die of the lambs born when you are lambing that heavy versus I would say yes and uh yes I, and, I would say yeah. yes yes that is true um, but it's not necessarily true and right. it's also and you will have higher numbers so if you're having right. a four percent death loss because for you the have year, more lambs <laughs> yeah you have four percent death loss a year that's four a day if you're dropping a hundred a day all of a sudden you drop 600 on a day. Well, now all of a sudden you have four times six, 24, right? That pile of 24 dead lambs is a lot more disheartening than four. Yes. And so like just the being honest with those numbers is really important. And uh, having that understanding and context of what's going on and and why. And um, yeah, I tried and being able to die. That's probably the hardest thing for me is to diagnose those problems mid chaos so like when you like because there are certain little things that happen that you need to address so like if you're getting like a 
little abortion storm popping up in one group and you're really busy, it's easy to hide it in all of the sheep. Mm-hmm. And to be able to see it and administer the tetracycline somehow, like you need to be able to get on that quickly. And that's really challenging. And if you're mm-hmm. not tracking your deads and paying attention to them, uh, you, you miss that a lot. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm talking yeah. like you do it perfect. I, I do not do this perfectly at all. <laughs> like we, well, it was a, no, it but was that's a the point of keeping these numbers, right. Is so that you can identify when things are a little bit wonky. And mm-hmm. that was one of the things I thought would be really neat to have when I was in Idaho was cause it was the same, like we had, I was there at peak lambing and the students were, we necropsied every single lamb that died and the students were bummed about that. It sucks. And I was like, okay, but go out to the mixing pens, the big mixing pens where those lambs are now five days old and see how many are out there. that are just racing around. And that picks your spirits up a little bit because it is certainly a percentage of those lambs that we didn't get to see because we were in the lambing sheds and in that vet um, shed doing all the work and so not all the work but the work that we were there to do and yeah it was interesting and I would have really liked to have seen those numbers like what was our percentage of deads when we you know at those different times in lambing if it increased because we were busy were we missing things were things more likely to happen like we had a lot of infected joints at certain times and it's like well is that because we're busy and pens maybe weren't getting cleaned as well or you know like those are things that that's why that information is helpful because it can help you really dial into what is mm-hmm. being missed or yeah well and yeah and then you can start i mean you gotta start trying to identify low-hanging fruit and you you start understanding your capabilities too mm-hmm. so like um, typically we're I don't know. I'd have to look at my other spreadsheet that has all the years together, but I think we're normally like 4% death loss. And then probably total together, it's usually like 4% post 24 hours and maybe, um, I don't know, maybe 5% pre something like that. Who's entering? You have the handwritten sheet from the barns. Who's entering those in? I put it all in. Well, so each day it gets written on the sheet and then like twice during the Lammy and I pull the sheets together and add them up and put them in the computer. Cool. That's impressive. Yeah. It's hard to get (laughs) stay on top. Well, and I was going to say, so this year it's like we were 3.72 at Mayhood uh, post-birth death loss and we were 8.3 total death loss at the one Mayhood camp um, where our singles were at, which was a really brilliant idea I had. We're at 1% and 3%. And then at Goosehaven, we're at 0% and 0% because I haven't pulled the sheets. Perfect. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, Goosehaven done great. So, and even Mayhood, I think I have a sheet, have filled out sheet that I need to put into on top of this. But so, talk about your singles that are, was your brilliant idea? Oh, well, we had too many, too many, we had a lot of sheep this year. So, we had the, you know, 6,000 ewes we turned out on. Typically, we run, you know, we'd like to lamb out 4,000 or so. Um, so we took our scanned singles and I always like to run those at the lambing camps um, because they're kind of free lambs, so to say, you know, they don't take a lot of labor. They don't take a lot of time and we can lamb them out really easy. But this year, just because we had so many ewes and the breed up was so good to the twins that we had to eliminate them just so we could 
have space focus for your labor twins. yeah no not even just space for twins like it was more <laughs> space than anything like we were we were way overworked but um <laughs> the uh the uh so we took our scanned singles and um we put them on our irrigated pasture and we just left them up there and we just lambed them out in the field just like alfalfa lambing you know we just field lambed them and put them out there and moved the heavies left the drop they were all scanned singles i think we had like six sets of twins 12 sets of twins i mean hardly any and we were able to lamb out 440 u's with almost zero effort um and zero issues and we had a couple of dead ewes a couple of dead lambs but really not too many i think coyote was the worst problem but we were able to Mm -hmm. trap them um, within the first couple days so that was pretty simple and that worked out really good and so once again we were able to just you know we still the singles are still my theory of kind of the free sheep so to say um, on top of you know if i had all twins I would have not had these extra 400 ewes or 400 lambs, which is a truckload mm-hmm. of lambs, which is, you know, $2 a pound, $100,000. So it's uh, it's nice to have an extra load of lambs um, with minimal effort. And so, and you're going to breed, you're going to get singles. And the only thing I was so, really surprised that that's all we had. I thought we were going to have maybe 1500 singles, but yeah, we had none because we sheared after turnout half of our sheep and I thought that was going to affect them, but they held on to their pregnancies and it was, yeah, it was that's amazing. amazing. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Um, so the person who went to basically manage those ewes, that was kind of like after they did other jobs at the. Yeah. So our, um, I mean, we're running feeder cattle, feeder lambs, irrigating, and we're, uh, running the alfalfa fields with that crew. Okay. And so they would just check them in the morning, check them at night, and move them if needed. Cool. So, yeah. Nice. I brought them like 25 hobbles, 30 hobbles. And then, just in case there were some twin surprise. Yeah. And then one, <laughs> and then we had that day, the 180 drop. I was like, Hey, are you using any of those? I need them. <laughs> so I read them. No, I haven't used them. So I grabbed them, <laughs> took them back. So, awesome. Yeah. Hats off to Mill Station Veterinary Clinic for the first class scanning job there. So. Yeah. Very cool. That's pretty good. Nice. But yeah, I don't know. It was, it's a, it's wild when you get that many. And then, um, yeah, I mean, keeping pens clean is everything in the barn. Yeah. That was really challenging this year, especially in the bummers. We had a lot of bummers. We had, uh, we had, uh, I think we have like 400 plus bummers right now that are all in the buckets. So, a lot of milk <laughs> it is it's funny so i i told the guys this year that um because i've always kind of thought like we we do a good job with the bummers during lambing but then once lambing's over we don't necessarily do a good job staying consistent with the mixing mm-hmm. and so in order to fix that justin and i had the idea that we would um we would give a lambing bonus and the bonus would be based on every milk bottle lamb bummer lamb that gets weaned and moved into the alfalfa or irrigated pasture we're going to put 30 bucks in the pot and from that 30 bucks that's you know based on um that, that that's just based on what you know if it's two dollars a pound 150 pound lamb is 300 dollars, so just roughly 10 percent of the value so anyway we put that in a pot and then we split it as a lambing bonus for all the guys in the crew 
and lo and behold we go from 170 bummers to like 400 (laughs) (laughs) you also have a lot more twins and a lot yeah we got a lot more sheep but it was kind of funny i'm just like oh that worked pretty good (laughs) so that's hilarious yeah it's pretty good so (laughs) but i'm happy about it like i said it's a good it's good incentive program there yeah yeah that's great yeah that's pretty good so what have you noticed anything pop up in your bummers as opposed to your typical like your normal you raise lambs are they like quality wise or issue like health issues or what are mm-hmm. you your well, questions are always health based <laughs> yeah but i'm open to whatever you have to no say. <laughs> I, i'd say like infected joints so like mycoplasma we we do run into i call it mycoplasma. i don't know if that's what it is but we always I always assume that from my cattle experience, those swollen joints. And um, usually we'll um, we'll give a light dose of something that cures that and under the vet or vet tells us what to do and then we do it and it and it cures them. It does fix it. Um, the thiamine deficiency, we've had some issues with that in the bummer barn and just being able to doctor them for like a week straight with thiamine every day seemed to mm-hmm. jump them out of some of that stuff. Usually it's like an extreme case of the joint infections is when that thiamine can actually kind of help. I don't know if it's the bacteria getting in the nervous system, making them not processing right or what, but they get goofy. And uh, yeah, that's odd. I wonder if it's like they're the yeah. way the bacteria get into the joints is through the bloodstream. So it settles in the joints because it's not um, the blood supply is a little bit slower there, so it can settle out, and that's true in the brain as well. So maybe they're getting yeah. a infection in the brain, and yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I typically think of thiamine deficiency when they have a rumen that's functioning because that's where that vitamin is produced. Yeah. The but... other thing, well, the other thing it could be is. Um... It could be that the thiamine doesn't do anything and just the antibiotic makes you feel good about fixing it. Because <laughs> it, it takes and you're seeing it every day because you have to yeah, sometimes it takes day. like a week or so for the <laughs> antibiotic to work. And so you then you say the antibiotic didn't do nothing but this little vitamin, like, yeah, it doesn't multi, hurt. <laughs> my multivitamin really worked, it sure does. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, yeah there are a number of bacteria that can cause that puffy joint mycoplasma being one of them which is good to have on the list because not every antibiotic works for mycoplasma so it's good to cover it just in well case. and that's kind of why we think it's that because the other antibiotics don't seem to affect that one like when they start mm-hmm. to get that in this barn mm-hmm. they get that little swollen joint thing and um the it's the the macrolite antibiotics tend to oh. knock it out mm-hmm. yeah after a few it takes like a week for them to recover from it but it does, it does help. Um, I don't know. And then scours, I mean, we always battle scours. I mean, I feel guilty because the, that bummer pen, um, we get so busy doing everything that we're always late cleaning it at least Mm -hmm. once or twice a year. And we always lose some lambs due to the scours and we're always panic cleaning it. And, um, gosh, it just, that bugs me every year, but that's a, that's just something that's a fact. That's a fact of failure on my part every year. Um, and you know it is what it is but um yeah and that's just like i said that's just cleanliness mm-hmm. um yeah keeping uh the flies weren't real bad this year until just now 
like today was pretty wretched out there. It's a little humid. And so I don't mm-hmm. know if that's why or what, but mm-hmm. it's pretty bad right now, but it was pretty good all year. It's been really cold. So that helps. with. Yeah. The it was like in the thirties up here last week in the morning. It was cold. Yeah. But it was 60 this morning. So <laughs> yeah. very different. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, my lambin, we're going to start marking tomorrow. Woohoo. Yeah, I still can't believe that we have that many lambs. It's just going to be a lot of work. Yeah. It was a lot of work. And then we still have about a thousand heavies to lamb out. That's wild. All like scanned twins. And just those are all late lammers and everything. Yeah. You will be marking well into December. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, a thousand, we should get maybe 13, 1400 ewes or lambs out of that. So that'd be three bunches. Mm-hmm. Um, so we should get everything we have on the ground now should be marked hopefully by Thanksgiving. That's kind of the goal. And then we're going to try to brand one set of calves before Thanksgiving. And then like to be able, if we can be done lamb, if we can be done marking lambs with the exception of the late lambers by Thanksgiving and then be branding cattle all winter, that, that works really good. Mm-hmm. But it's also a pipe dream most years. How old are your calves when you brand? Uh, September, October, November, December, three months, two, three months. Is that appropriate? Does that fit the BQA standards? I don't know. (laughs) I think everyone does it different. I think, yeah, yeah, when I was in practice, we did it around when we could vaccinate the heifers. Yeah. So we did that at the same time for Priscilla. Yeah. With cattle, it's so much of it is you got to, um, if you bring them in, you have to be efficient and get as much mm-hmm. done as you can when you handle them because they're just yeah. so big and they take so much time and effort and they're they're just big animals. And so if you're gonna if you're gonna work them, you need to make sure you got your vaccinations, you do your brandings, and you do your castrating, and you do yeah. everything you can possible. In that right, one and you also get a bit of like a loss of weight gain when you every time you work them right oh so if huge you consolidate yeah. it into one day it's one long day but at least you're not doing that over and over yeah like grandpa always said you lose a week gain a week's worth of gain every time you work your livestock mm-hmm. same happens with sheep just not as extreme but it definitely right, happens they're lighter with sheep mm-hmm. yeah and i think they they uh i don't know it's probably similar stress, but I, I don't think they work with the same level of stress as cattle. Like the cattle, I think are when you stress, when you work the cattle, I think that stress is a little, um, I think it's a little more on that calf than the sheep. I think the sheep find a lot more comfort in each other mm-hmm. than the cattle, like the cattle, you know, the sheep, they can put their heads down and hide and kind mm-hmm. of find comfort and not be as stressed out as the cattle. They can get a little more. Yeah, they don't like being bunched. They don't like, yeah, they don't like it as much. So both are stressful. Just I think sheep can handle it a little better. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's interesting. That's a, that's a, there's no science behind that. That's just me talking. <laughs> so, so everybody there out there be knows. science behind it, right? Yeah, someone there... can find the science, but that's my opinion. So. <laughs> I, just yeah. I actually got to see Dan last Monday. Uh, yeah. we went to yeah, we went to um well and even a 
week or I don't know, time is a huge blur for me. But Dan and I taught a husbandry workshop up in Siskiyou a couple weeks ago. And so I got to drive. I I <laughs> trapped him in a car and drove him for <laughs> he actually awesome. drove the first day, which was really nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then but yeah, last week I saw him on Monday because we were at a Ph.D. seminar for Cal Sh- Schill. Oh, gosh, it's Schiller. Um, she <laughs> is a PhD student who did her PhD in animal behavior and welfare. And she was the one who, or they um, did their work on um, lambing, the behavior around lambing and how that impacts Uh lamb survival and all of that. It was really interesting, the stuff they were talking about. And part of it was, can you pick up on their behaviors before there's a lamb and how does that play into kind of lamb either maternal ability or lamb survivability and it was really interesting the stuff that she kind of at least it's kind of the first look into that type of work and kind of what where can we go from there is really it's yeah. really cool oh huh. well, that's neat but yeah their head down behavior it seemed was a response to stress if they had their head up they were more bold and maybe less um, impacted by stressors when the lamb was on the ground. It was really interesting. Well, I, yeah, I could have told you that. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That high headed you, I know what she's like. Yeah. She's I, not afraid. <laughs> and I know the one that has her head down. I like her better. Yeah. <laughs> we had, Oh, this is a good one. So there was an earthquake uh, like a week or two ago, a couple weeks ago. And the epicenter was right, like, I don't know, five miles from our lamb camp. It was in Isleton. So we're in Rivista. It's like five, six miles away. Oh, yeah. That's when I was in D.C. I always miss all these, like, huge. (laughs) Well, I missed it, too. I was there at the lambing camp. It was a 5.0 earthquake or something. (laughs) And um, I'm like, I was moving this bunch of, um, of, I think it were singles. I think they were singles. They might have been twins, but I think they were singles. Anyway, I was moving them. In front of the barn, there's kind of a big gravel yard, and I was moving them from one side to another to try to mix them into this bunch. And um, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this one you, she's a yearling. She just like her head goes straight up, and she starts jumping like a kangaroo, and just goes crazy and like like prounces all the way, leaves the lamb, leaves everything, and just runs all the way up this hill, like jumps a fence and goes. And I'm like. <laughs> the world is going on here it's like i'm trying to hustle and get it and then all of a sudden justin comes running out of the bars ryan do you feel that earthquake i'm like oh that's why she went nuts (laughs) it's the weirdest thing but yeah i never felt it because i was like gonna eat me (laughs) yeah but she was freaking out it was funny because there was like five other ewes with her and then all the lambs and they were just kind of like looking at her like what are you doing that was something yeah, she we was She was stressed differently. He was high-headed. <laughs> <laughs> she had her head up. <laughs> was not afraid to leave her lamb for the no, no. She was brown that up. was going to open up and swallow her. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. That's yep. That's cool. Yep. And today I had number ninety-five, number three ninety-five. It was uh, it was also very high-headed. It it took one of her lambs out into a field, but left one behind. And I was, it took me a motorbike and 25 Did it minutes. take the bigger lamb? 
No, just whatever one ran with it. Didn't even check to see if it was hers. <laughs> She's like, oh, there's one still here. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the bad part because then it won't go back. Like if at yeah. least if she left she them all, yeah. she would have been like, oh, I forgot my kids. But now that she's got something, <laughs> you know, kicking at her, she's like, oh, I can stay. <laughs> yeah. That was another interesting thing that they found in their research was that how close the ewes stayed around Dan while he was processing the lambs in, was influenced by how heavy the lamb was. Hmm. So she, yeah, they were saying how it could be a maternal investment. Like I've put this much work into this baby. I'm going to stick around versus the little ones. They're like, oh, you know, I don't know if it's worth me. You, risking think they can, you think they could sense the um, survivability or the, you know, the vigor. I wonder about that. that. Cause I, I would really, I always relate that with, especially when they're newborn and young, like it's, it's so much of it is about kind of vigor and overall health when it comes to size. Cause if they're not, they, they get small very quick. And that was, yeah, that was something I asked them about after was a lot of the reading that I had been doing was suggesting that a lot of the survivability of the lamb is actually on the lamb's behavior itself and not the ewes behavior necessarily. Like more of it is on the lamb's figure oh, for getting think, up right away, going towards the udder and well, I think not that's necessarily where jugs, you. I think that's where the jugs work is that it, it um, gives the lamb a fighting chance. <laughs> it gives the weak, the weak lamb has a chance to get up and nurse and, mm-hmm. and it has time to, it has time to figure out how to milk and nurse. Cause like so much, so, so often like the work in the jug is just teaching that lamb how to nurse. I mean, they go up mm-hmm. there and they'll just like stick their nose, like up into the, up into the wool, wool there and then just kind of <laughs> go. And then you like, you know, it, it won't, it won't put its mouth on the teeth, right. It'll just kind of like play with it and stick its tongue out and then play <laughs> around. And you're just like, come on, let's go. And you like, it takes a long time and a lot of practice for a handful of them to learn to nurse. And then once they get it, like the youth's just sitting there, like, come on, you can figure this out. Just letting it happen. She's not fighting it off. She loves her lambs. Everything's fine, but just the lamb doesn't know how to nurse. There's, there's yeah. definitely a lot of that. Yeah. It's it for at least from what I was reading that the lamb's vigor can be influenced by genetics. So the sire's yeah. genetics and the you, but I mean, interesting that you can influence survivability through sire genetics just from their ability to stand and find the teat. Wasn't that was where heterosis, cool. I mean, heterosis is valuable. Like in those F1 crosses, that's one of the, they're, they're more vigorous because they just got so much more got some much more juice <laughs> the right <laughs> I don't know I always thought of heterosis as benefiting like the immune system and things like that but you probably I'm sure heterosis benefits a lot of systems well if it so. benefits all the like those systems and you get faster growth better growth with that and so you know I would think that that's a big player in that is that you just have a more vigorous lamb yeah but I don't they don't necessarily have to be the biggest lamb does that right like they're they're no. just the lambs that are more active and they stand up so they don't lose as much heat to the ground as fast and they yeah I don't know I thought that was really cool yeah 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 no that's fun um we had a bunch of like 20 pound lambs this year that was what? wonderful <laughs> yeah we had after like, the two oh yeah no we ended up with like seven. Wow. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. An all natural birth too. 
Wow. Yeah, we had we did one C-section and they were stillborns. Oh, bummer. Yeah. I was wondering how that went. <laughs> oh, it went great. That way, you know, other than the the death, the death. Yeah. Other yeah. than that. Yeah, the you survived. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's cool. But yeah. Will you give her probably she won't get actually no because she'll be dragged. Sorry. Or... One you we did two C sections. The first one the U's fine. The second one the uterus rot like rotted inside her oh, basically. Yeah. Like the, it was really bad, and mm-hmm. so yeah, she ended up we put her down. Yeah. yeah, that one was bad. Yeah, that's the one you called on. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great. It was not very good. Great, great. That's also why I didn't respond. I didn't want to give you bad news. Okay. Yeah. That's fair enough. I'm looking out <laughs> for you. Tell the world now. <laughs> yeah. 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 So anyway, I don't know. Uh what else happened at Lamin? I mean, the the craziness of moving stuff. Guys did really good uh moving. We did push a lot of lambs onto the alfalfa. We were running four open bunches at once, so receiving into four different spots. That really helped get us through things. Um the crew just worked their tail off. I mean, they really did good this year. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was good. Good off alpha. Good feed right now. Everything's really good right now. Just hoping it's raining at some point. Are you still feeding corn? I thought you, it was just the. Oh, I play a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing this year? I can't remember if we talked about it. Well, I mean, there's nothing official. I, I don't, I don't know if it really, yeah, I don't know if it really counts as anything, but (laughs) I got, uh, one of my neighbors, he drops off a pickup load full of corn and dumps it out of the back of his truck into a pile. And then I take a five gallon bucket and I go over and I feed, I feed the twins that are going to be going up to the alfalfa. I like to feed them every day, just a bucket full of corn or so, um, until they leave. So just for a few days, I think it, it helps. Helps put condition back on the use. Yeah, I was. We had goat day this last Saturday, and one of the talks uh, I gave three talks. (laughs) One of the talks I did not give was on nutrition, and it was really cool. Some of the examples they were giving how alfalfa meets their protein demand at that really high demand level for protein, but it is just under their energy demand, which I didn't really think about at that point. I was like, wow, that's interesting. So like, yeah, adding, well, we think alfalfa is really great and it is, and it has a lot of protein. It is just under their energy demand. So adding that helps them maintain their condition and can maintain, yeah, maybe help improve their milk production. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I mean, I th- I think it definitely, definitely helps those use and they change quickly. Sheep change really quickly. It's pretty impressive, but, um, it's really not enough volume of corn and it's on such a small sample size for a very mm-hmm. limited amount of time that it's not like, that's not a game changer for us. And it's, it's pretty, I do it because I do it and I would never tell my guys to do it because it's a waste of time. Uh, it's just, it's, it's very, it takes a lot of time to go grab the bucket, walk over to the pile, fill it up, make sure, and then walk back to the thing and then dump it in the piles and put it back and then put the, like it takes 10, 15 minutes and, when you got so many hours in a day, um, 10, 15 minutes every day, every three days, that's an hour, every four days, that's an hour. Like you can't, I can't have them do that. That's, but it's fun for me. I enjoy it. And it makes my neighbor feel good. He's super excited to get the corn for me. 
and I, I I love getting it, and it does it, yeah, especially with like triplets or like it. I think it really does help, like the um, triplets or a real down and condition you some somebody that had a real hard lambing um, or a hard pregnancy. Those use it really helps. I think, yeah. and they'll actually run to it and like you know they they seek it out. And... You're like, wait, I need this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. That's cool. Cool. 100%. So. Yeah. So that's my story. That's all I got, I think, for now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for catching up. It was good to get to talk to you again and hear how things have been going. Yeah. <laughs> so this has been Sheep Stuff You Should Know. Thanks. Catch you next time. See you later.